Hello and welcome to The Church Podcast, the home of The Church, North Georgia's sermons and messages. I am Pastor Zach, the lead pastor of The Church, and I am so glad you've decided to listen today. I hope this message encourages you, strengthens you, challenges you, and draws you closer to God in some way, shape, or form. Thanks so much for listening. Here's the sermon. Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I hope you're having a wonderful fast and uh, you just feel refreshed and energized and drawn closer to God and just loving God more and more every single day. I enjoyed our worship together this morning, but I'm ready to jump into the Word of God. Last week we were in Acts chapter 11, and this week we are staying in Acts chapter 11 mostly. Barnabas played such a major role in, in the chapter um, that we talked about last week. I, I, I thought about maybe slowing down a little bit and maybe finding some more details about the guy. And there's just something about him and what he does in Scripture that's worth emulating, in my opinion. And so uh, I just want to see if we can make make the things that are special in his life part of what is in our life as Christians and, and in the church. The value of encouragement, his encouragement, stands in contrast to some of the leaders and teammates and co-workers that I've been around in, in my lifetime. Not all of them, um, but definitely some of them. And I'm sure you've been around people like that as well. People are selfish. They work for themselves. They make choices for themselves. They call plays for themselves. It's exhausting. And by the way, I am absolutely sure I have been that person at points in my life as well. But it's annoying to deal with. It's exhausting to deal with. In the church, it's not much better sometimes. We have ministers making choices based on their own preferences and even pride and not based on what's best for the kingdom of God, what's best for the church. Some of you probably are even thinking about your own stories dealing with people like this at church as we talk about it right now. I've known some pastors with some very, very strange vanities, which has then dictated some very strange choices. So we all have those stories probably in our mind, if not at church, at work, on a team, in a group. And then in the scripture, Acts chapter 11, we read last week, we have, we have Barnabas, who is in his short appearances in scripture, this encouraging and empowering and, and all about the mission guy. And it's refreshing. When you have the opportunity to experience that in your life, it's, it's amazing. And so I want to look at uh, Barnabas and see if there are actionable things we can draw out of his life, out of his story, so that we can become more encouraging and more mission-minded uh, for our own lives. How nice would it be in our daily life if people experience authentic Christ-centered, Christ-enabled encouragement from us, from the church, from Christians? We'll go through several scriptures today, but let's read part of Acts chapter 11. We read it last week, but it'll set us up for the rest of the service. Acts chapter 11, verses 22 through 26. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. 
And for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Just a refresher, the church is scattered from Jerusalem and some of those scattered members of the church in Jerusalem end up in Antioch and they can't help but talk about Jesus. And now the church is growing and Barnabas is sent to see what's going on in Antioch, to support, to help, whatever is going on. He just wants to go, see, the church wants to go see what's going on. He goes. And so who is Barnabas? Who is he? Well, first of all, in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 36, we, we get the first sort of sighting of Barnabas. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and bought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Even at the start of the church, at the start of the church, even a few months into uh, the church, after the day of Pentecost, it seems like that apostles changed Barnabas' name because of how encouraging he was. He's clearly a man of faith and clearly a man uh, of generosity, and he's completely sold in. He sells this field, gives the money, the money, the proceeds away to the church. And then Acts chapter 9, uh, a time later, verse 26, And when he come, had come to Jerusalem, Saul, this is Saul we're talking about, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they didn't believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how the, on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Barnabas is such a, an includer. He sees the potential. He sees the good. He, he can see past the past and see the grace of God at work. And uh, man, it just makes sense that Barnabas is the person, the right person to show up in Antioch with this group of brand new Gentile Christians because he's just a person who sees things the right way. And when he does show up in Antioch, I see very... I see four specific things in the scripture that help define what Barnabas does as an encourager. First, he was glad. He was glad. He, he wasn't annoyed by uh, these brand new Christians who were probably had all sorts of questions, probably getting things wrong. He wasn't critical, though. He saw the grace of God at work, and he was glad about it. He was glad about it. Secondly, he encouraged actively. He encouraged actively. It, it was not just passive acceptance. He exhorted them to hold on to Jesus and what Jesus had did and to continue in the good purpose that they were pursuing in talking about Jesus. In other words, he told them with passion to keep the main thing about Jesus and to keep telling people about the main thing, Jesus. Don't get distracted by anything else. Focus on Jesus and what he did for you and keep telling people about that. And thirdly, we're given some character traits that Barnabas um, Barnabas had, that Barnabas, Barnabas the encourager had. He was a good man, and it says he was full of the Holy Spirit and, and of faith. These are obtainable characteristics for us. They are not uh, genetically inherited. These can be a part of our life, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And fourthly and finally, Barnabas empowered others. He was an includer on the extra level, right? He didn't just go get Saul and invite Saul to the party. He, he went and got Saul, gave him the steering wheel, and, and let him control the music at the party. That's, that's who he was. He was glad. He actively encouraged. He had specific godly traits. 
and he uh, empowered those around him to live up to the potential of God inside of them. And, and these are the characteristics of a good encourager. A good encourager, which is what we need in our life. So let's see if we can't uh, unfold these a little bit more and translate them into more detail into our life. So as a church and as Christians, we can do something with it. If you want to be an encourager, here are some things that we need to work on. Be easily gladdened. Be easily gladdened. Barnabas saw the grace of God at work and he was glad. It was that simple. He saw people falling in love with Jesus and he, he enjoyed it. And it seems like that should be the normal, natural response, but sometimes it isn't. Maybe you've experienced dealing with, uh, with a new Christian, right? And it's, they have all this energy and they're excited and they have this zeal, but they like experience and maybe they get some things wrong. And it's sort of like watching a kid in a toy, in a toy store. There's so much energy and they're going here and there. And it can be exhausting a little bit on a personal level, right? On another level, slightly more serious. Maybe we get annoyed because we see that they have something that we lost a long time ago. Passion and excitement about the grace of Jesus Christ. We see, in, we see something in them that we know we should have, but we don't have. And instead of being glad at seeing it and letting it refresh us and encourage us, we get a touch bitter. We get a touch jealous. I've heard people actually say, just wait till reality hits them. They'll calm down. And that'll bring them back down to earth. Is that really what we want? Do we really want them to be bitter like some of us get sometimes? Sure, experience is grounding. I get it. But ultimately, experience should never crush the joy of the grace of Jesus Christ. I have been, and I have known too many sad and grumpy Christians. But that's just not who we're supposed to be. That's not what God did for us. We should be happy. It should be real easy to be excited and joyful no matter what we're going through. Let's look at sports real quick. I like sports. Some of the best production that a professional athlete will have in his life oftentimes happens when experience merges with the joy of, of the game, right? As a kid, you love the game. and As you get older, sometimes you can lose the joy of the game, but the good ones, they have a joy for the game that ends up matching their experience and their talents, and they excel for a believer. It needs to be the same. Our experience needs to catch up with our joy and grace, right? Joy and gladness, these things that we need to have don't need to be something that fades away. They need to become more rich, more mature. Experience doesn't kill them. It grows them. Needs to be in our DNA. Later in Acts, we'll get to one day, but Peter and Silas get thrown into prison. It's a whole thing. And instead of fretting and worrying, whoa, it's me, they respond with praise and worship, gladness, joy. There are plenty of grumpy people in the world. Plenty. And there are plenty of superficially joyful people in the world. In Christ, man, we got the real goods here. We got the real reason to have joy, the real reason to be glad. We have to pray for and develop and, and ask for an attitude of, of gladness. An attitude of gladness. We need to urge perseverance. We need to urge perseverance. What did Barnabas do? He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast prayer, it says. Let me read that again. He exhorted them 
I mean, he, he told them with some sort of force and energy them to all remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. That's a detailed enough instruction for me to know that even just a few years removed from the beginning of Christianity, Barnabas has experienced other Christians, maybe even people that got saved the same time he did, not doing what he is telling the church at Antioch. Meaning, already a few years into Christianity, into this thing, into the church, into life with Christ, he's experienced people losing their passion, losing their way, getting distracted by things that don't matter. So he tells the church at Antioch, hold on to Jesus, keep the passion, and keep telling people about Jesus. He's seen it. And so now he shows up, and, and instead of being critical like we talked about last week, he, he pours fuel on the fire for these new believers. Hold on to Jesus and keep going. He understood that humans have a tendency to normalize things. They have a tendency to lose interest. They have a tendency to let go of certain things as life happens. And he's there to encourage these new believers to keep going. I, mean, I get it. It's not easy. It's not easy working for the gospel when the results are so hidden sometimes uh, from us. Right, and that's the problem with, with a lot of things that a lot of people do is that the goals, the, what, what ends up happening and the good things that, that come way down the road, you don't see them in a day-to-day -day basis. You see them on a year-to-year -year basis. And that's just a long time to do things. It is. People who are trying to lose weight, right? They might lose a pound or two in a month. And uh, that's fantastic, actually, if you, you can consistently get that down. But that pound or two doesn't really doesn't really do a lot whenever you're having to lose 50 pounds, right? So it, it is difficult. It is difficult to do that. When you're trying to minister to someone for years and years and years and it doesn't seem like anything happens, that's tough. When you're just trying to live a life loving God, serving God in His grace, in His mercy, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and things just keep happening, right? That's, that's tough. But you can't give up. My mama, my dad's mom, she didn't, you know, she didn't have a relationship with God for the majority of her life. And my mom, my dad, even me and my brother, we, we prayed for her. I know I prayed for her specifically for a long, long time. And you sort of just sort of, all right, God, I'm going to pray again. All right, God, here it is again. And, you know, dad would talk to her. All right, uh, mom, like this is, this is what you need to know. You need Jesus. And, and nothing, 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 nothing until the last... I think a year and a half of her life, she finally accepted that she needed Jesus Christ in her life, right? An entire life. And for me, an entire lifetime of praying for someone, and it wasn't until the very end that there was a result that we could celebrate. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. we got to keep working. We can't control the heart. We can't control the mind. Uh, we can't control God's timing. We don't know God's timing. We just got to keep going and, and talking about Jesus, being happy about what Jesus is doing, and don't give up. And we need to be each other's biggest cheerleaders, the biggest encouragers. The word used here for exhorted is, is connected with the word encouragement. And then they're used like 130-something times in the New Testament. And that tells me that Peter, Paul, 
James and all the others who are part of the New Testament went around reminding people to keep going and not to give up. They were passionately telling people that it's going to be okay. You hold on. God's timing's perfect. He is faithful. He's going to do great things. And Barnabas walks into the church in Antioch, does the same thing, and tells me that we got to do the same thing today for each other, for others. So we need to be easily gladdened. We got to urge people to persevere, to keep going. And we need to have the character of an encourager. Barnabas had some character traits revealed in these scriptures that we read. He had goodness. He had fullness of spirit. He, he, he had faith. We know that he was generous. We know that he was an includer. A good person, goodness, and with goodness inside of them, does not break principle, godly principles to achieve goals. Uh, they make unselfish choices. They don't have hidden agendas. Uh, they keep everything up front. Uh, they don't use people. They, they help people. They, they take responsibility for their mistakes. They don't pass off blame, and they don't skirt from responsibility. They don't, they don't do any of this out of pride either. right? It's not because they do this and they're great. They do it out of humble submission to the service, in, in, into service for God. And they do it because Jesus changed their life and the Holy Spirit's helping them. Being a good person, a person with goodness in their life, adds legitimacy and vitality to the message of Jesus Christ that we share with other people. It becomes a living example of the gospel whenever we have goodness at work inside of us. We need to be good people if you call Jesus your Lord. If you have accepted that Jesus has saved you by grace, that ought to mean something to how you respond to life. There are too many scriptures that talk about being set apart, that being light and being an example and being salt to ignore. We, we got to be different. To be honest with you, I don't want to hear about the gospel. I don't want to hear about Jesus from a man or for a woman who's in it for themselves or who is really lacking in goodness in their life. This is a source of a lot of church hurt. This is a source of a lot of problems for church. Church leaders who, who just don't have enough goodness at work in their life create fiction, friction between what they preach and how people experience them. From afar, the message is rich and good and fruitful, but get close enough to the source of the message and it's tainted by the person that's sharing it because they are just not a good person. Being a good man or a good woman is not about perfection. It's about being who Jesus has enabled us to be through His grace, through His mercy, and through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. You've got to be good. You can't be mean. What is that going to say about the God that you serve? You've got to be full of the Holy Spirit. Let Him do His work. Right? Having the Holy Spirit at work in us like Barnabas, changes everything. It changes what's possible. It changes years of bad habits, years of bad thinking. It, it changes all sorts of things in your life. It goes above and beyond ability and, and talent. To be full of the Spirit is to have all the tools necessary to get the job done and to know that you have the tools necessary to get the job done. It's a little confidence boost. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus tells the disciples, power. Dynamo, the word, the, it's sort of where we get the word dynamite from. Power to get work done, to move things, to change things. Explosive power, power to help people, power to encourage people, power to give, power to have faith, 
right? Power to believe. It's not arrogance in yourself. It's confidence in God. Confidence enough to walk into a situation and to truly encourage those around you, even though it might seem like a hopeless situation. When you let the Holy Spirit work in you, it gives you that kind of faith. And Barnabas was full of faith. Barnabas was a man full of faith. Faith in God for his life. Faith in God and grace. And faith in in what Jesus had done and what Jesus had preached and, and taught. But also faith for those who want to be encouragers. Faith in God's grace for other people. Faith that God wants to work through people and help people even whenever they make mistakes. Faith that God can change people. Faith that, that God uh, and Jesus, um, what he, basically what he did for you, he can do through other people. That's the kind of faith that Barnabas had. A faith that wasn't just for himself, which was great and fantastic and it is, it is life-changing, but also faith that that life-changing experience you had is the exact same life-changing experience other people have access to, which means, which means you can look at them, you can look at them and, and believe and see potential. So when you see someone fail, when you see someone struggle, you don't give up. You believe that God can still use them and restore them. When you see that things are wrong in a church or in a ministry, you have faith that God can still redeem it. And fix it. And without faith, without faith, there's no reason to encourage anyone. Right? Faith matters. Being negative is, is often associated with people who have forgotten what they have faith in. Exactly. They say all the right words. They have all the right terminology. But they don't necessarily connect that with belief and let it impact them in an active way anymore and so they're negative you got to have faith you got to have goodness we we need the holy spirit we need faith in order to be the encouragers that god wants us to be finally encouragers enlist the help of capable people they don't just accept help but they go get help those are sort of two different things it's a pretty big difference if you ask me They're actively looking for people to help them in this process. Their eyes are constantly open. They they exist thinking about, you know, I'm doing this right now, but I bet bet so-and-so would excel at this. Let's see see if they can do that. Let's see. Or just you're working with some coworkers and you think, I don't know if they go to church. I don't know if they're saved, but there's there's some gifts, God-given gifts inside that person that need to be activated. He needs the grace of God and he needs to get plugged into this place because I think he could excel at helping the church this way. Encouragers aren't afraid to go get people who might be more talented than themselves. It's a big deal in the church world. It's easy to surround yourself with inferior help. It's easy to surround yourself with people who don't challenge you, but it's challenging on an ego, a bad ego, to go get people who are just as capable, just as, just as uh, full of ability, and, and just as full of confidence in God as you are. It can be challenging if you're not careful. You hear stories about pastors treating younger pastors on staff sort of with contempt as a way to sort of keep them down on a level because they, they feel threatened by that young person's ability and anointing. They don't want to give up any attention or power 
And so they respond to good young ministers with sort of bullying as a way to exercise power and to keep that person down. This happens outside the church as well, but, you know, we're in church, so that's what we're talking about. And then when that young minister grows up and he grows up through positions and through experience under other pastors who do this, they end up repeating the pattern when it's time for them to start raising up people below them. And so, to, so instead of creating a culture of encouragement and empowerment, they create a cycle of pride, cycle of self-defense, cycle of abuse in, 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 in church leadership, and it's toxic, it's hateful, it's hurtful. We got to be glad. We got every reason to be glad. We, we, we got to urge perseverance because we know life can be tough. We got to have goodness in our life because we know, we know, we, I mean, we've, God gave us everything. We got to respond. We got to change. We got to follow Him so closely that we can't help but throw aside some things that don't belong. And, and so what we're left with is goodness that can only come from Him. We got to be full of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Power to change. We can be full of faith, faith in the grace of God for ourselves, but also faith in the grace of God for other people around us so that we can have a reason to encourage them because we don't give up on them. These are the things encouragers do and encouragers have. And if you don't have those things, don't panic, don't freak out, don't worry, pray for help. Find someone to work with you. Talk to somebody about it. Hold each other accountable. Be disciplined disciples. I think so often, so often, we just don't think of the word disciple that much. But being a disciple means that you've got to take practical steps. It takes time. It takes dedication. It takes doing things and learning things and breaking habits and building new habits. That's why would they call it discipleship if it didn't include those things? So if you love Jesus and Jesus has cleansed your heart and you're connected with Him, well, you got to be a disciple and that means you got to learn and grow and lean in to being like the people we read in Scripture. Being like Jesus, but also, as Paul says, basically, if you don't really, if you don't really know about Jesus, then Follow me because I'm following Jesus, right? We, so, you know, there are people we can learn from in Scripture like Barnabas. And this is your opportunity. So don't panic if, you don't, if you're not there yet. I'm not there yet. I am not the perfect encourager. I've, listen, if I, if I made a checklist of things that I matched up with Barnabas, wouldn't be there yet. But I want to. And that means i got to pray. So don't panic. Don't panic. Let's pray. And as we pray, I, I just want you to ask yourselves, am I an encourager? Am I an encourager? If you are, fantastic. Pray for God to help, help keep you encouraging and help God to bring you places where they need to be encouraged. If you're not an encourager and you want to be, let's ask God to help us. To start the process today, to reveal some things to us today that we can work on. Because He wants to help us. He has the Holy Spirit. He has got that power waiting for us. Power to do ministry, but also power to change your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. You're so good to us.
We love your word. We love your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that, that tells the story of your grace and your mercy for our lives. And I pray that you would just help us in this place to take your word and place it in our hearts and in our minds. And specifically, Lord, today, I pray that you would help us understand that we got to be encouragers. Got to be encouragers. And that means we've got we to have some tools in our tool belt, Lord. And, and some of us got them, and that's great. Use them, Lord. And some of us want them and don't have, some of us want the tools and don't have them yet. And oh, Lord, I pray that you would help us start the process of putting the tools of encouragement in our tool belt, Lord. Help us examine our lives. Help search our hearts and our minds. And help us just move forward in growth and discipleship following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon. On behalf of the church, we hope that you have a blessed, blessed day and blessed week. If you want more information about our church, look us up online at The Church North Georgia or find us on social. See you next week.